0: RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform advertisers is not necessarily or even an endorsement. The but information always, contained we encourage in this program you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting and informative episode of Red Pill News Live. As always, I'm your host, Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector. (laughs) And yes, we had a little bit of bleed through. This is what happens when you are your own producer. It's difficult to keep everything straight, but regardless, here we go. Well, it looks like Jim Jordan may have the speaker race locked up. Or does he? Mm, we'll talk about that. Also, President Trump received some disturbing news today from Obama-appointed activist judge Tanya Chetkin. She slapped him with a gag order at the behest of Special Counsel Jack Smith. Uh, there was also an update on the case that Eileen Cannon is overseeing down in Florida. Her reaction to Jack Smith was a bit more based. Regardless, I wouldn't uh, hate you if you hit the like button or the red pill. Sit back, relax and grab your popcorn because we will be right back after this. So recently, I've told you guys about a breakthrough new anti-aging remedy that I've been using that keeps me energized all day long. I just take a teaspoonful of C60 Evo olive oil in the morning, and I notice better mental focus, flexibility, and physical endurance. Now, it's rare to feel improvements this quickly. I also end up sleeping deeper at night, so it's really helpful. Their peptide and ESS60 hair and lotion renewal formulas are exceptional because they really work. And C60 Evo's lab has been made. Manufacturing this Nobel Prize winning miracle molecule for 32 years in their Houston, Texas Patriot owned lab. ESS 60 is the upgraded version of the carbon 60 molecule. It's specifically made for both people and pets. It's a potent and effective way for people's lives to be improved all around the world. So maximize your health and enjoy noticeable results with C60 Evo organic edible oils, skin serums, and pet products. You can buy with confidence from C60 Evo, and you can use my personal code for a discount at checkout. Simply go to C60Evo.com forward slash red pill 78, and then when you're there, use code red pill 78 for an additional 10% off your entire order. Once again, that's C60Evo.com forward slash red pill 78. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. Oh, welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. We have A bit of a celebrity in the house. Grifter Elite is out there. Thank you very much for showing up today, Grifter Elite. Hope I'm not going to get exposed. Anyways, thank you so much, everybody, for being here. Sincerely appreciate you joining us today. As I said in the introduction, if you wouldn't mind, I would really appreciate it if you hit that like button or you hit the red pill if you're over there at Pilled.net. Let me say big thank you to Speed for dropping a cookie, also to Duppy, who says, Go Jordan, hiya, Zach. And I see that Spike71 is not a fan of the idea of Speaker Jordan. I will give you my thoughts on Speaker Jordan specifically in just a moment. But let me remind you that Congress, unfortunately, as unsavory as it seems, is all about relationships. And without the votes, nobody gets anything done. We do have a small amount of pressure that we can apply on the caucus at large, the good people of the Freedom Caucus as well. Uh, They're the ones who are truly going to be making the decision as to who ends up being Speaker of the House. As we saw with Kevin McCarthy, it was uh, over a dozen votes. I want to say it was like 15 at the end of the day. And the holdouts were all from the Freedom Caucus. Now, as long as they can come to an arrangement, as long as they can come to an agreement, then we will have a better candidate in there than Kevin McCarthy. I also want to remind you, before we get into that discussion as well, that uh, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, not only in Washington, D.C. at large, but more specifically within the halls of Congress. Again, it's all about relationships. Keep that in mind as we move into that subject matter. But today I would like to begin with our discussion about the good Judge Eileen Cannon. Eileen Cannon, of course, is the judge overseeing the case against President Trump down in Florida. Uh, and there has been no shortage of smackbacks that she's given to special counsel Jack Smith. And this hearing just uh, earlier today uh, was no different. So Jack Smith had showed up because he was looking to attempt to keep President Trump's attorneys off of one or more aspects of this case. And Judge Eileen Cannon really did not take kindly to it. I apologize. This this was on Thursday. This wasn't uh, earlier today. Uh, But anyways, uh, the hearing was called because the prosecutor arguing in the case, Harbaugh, uh, was hoping to keep the attorneys, Stanley Woodward and John Irving, from being able to represent President Trump's co-defendants, Walt Nauta and Carlos Oliveira. Obviously, the government is hoping that they're going to be able to flip either one or both of those gentlemen against President Trump. When the same lawyer is representing all three of them, that makes it just a little bit more difficult, because when defendants are able to keep a united front, especially In light of the very, very thin mountain of evidence uh, that they'd like for you to believe they have against President Trump, uh, then uh, I think they're going to have a much better chance of beating all charges. Now, they don't want Trump's lawyers representing Nada or Oliveira because they believe that the, uh, their clients should be called in to testify against President Trump and anybody else who has been charged down in, uh, in the Mar-a-Lago documents case. So the last minute, the prosecutor brought this up, uh, and he said that there would be a conflict of interest. Now, the reason Cannon was not happy about this uh, is because uh, this is quite literally uh, in the 11th hour. They should have addressed this in any number of the many court filings that they had brought before the court up to and including before this hearing. So the Palm Beach Post is reporting that a routine hearing in this classified documents case against President Trump – Ended abruptly after a clipped exchange between the judge and the federal prosecutor working for Jack Smith. So Eileen Cannon admonished the Justice Department's David Harbach for wasting the court's time with this last-minute legal argument. Of course, he had suggested that Stanley Woodward and John Irving should be precluded, not allowed, from participating fully in the defense of Trump's co-defendants, Nada and Oliveira, because a number of the lawyers' current and former clients may be called in to testify them. So it's not even at the end of the day that they were arguing about Nada and Oliveira testifying against Trump. It's that anyone they represent— May also be called in to testify. Of course, Nada and Oliveira, uh, I'm sure, are on their short list. Uh, but it's a ridiculous assertion because attorneys represent a whole host of clients at any given time, and sometimes uh, people that are in uh, various stages of prosecution, either they are prosecuting somebody in civil court, perhaps they are representing a, somebody in a high-profile case, maybe they are representing a lower-level uh, person who, who's been accused of something just you know totally benign, as President Trump has. But in this hearing, uh, Eileen Cannon basically said that uh, there is no basis for this argument And this is, of course, building upon the bad blood that Jack Smith and his team have already built. <clears throat> with Eileen Cannon, uh, if you remember, there was a secret grand jury that was called down here in Florida. That's how we got these charges because Jack Smith had originally been doing the investigation in Washington D.C. So at the last minute, secretly he called this grand jury down in Florida. He got charges against President Trump, uh, and uh, Eileen Cannon said, "Well, you know, you're using a uh, uh, an out of district." Grand jury to investigate this case that you've already got going in D.C. Uh, so, as a result of that, it, despite the fact that 37 in criminal indictments had already been filed, uh, we had Jack Smith apologize basically for the legal impropriety of using an out of district grand jury. Uh, and uh, as a result, he went ahead and shut it down. Uh, so, this is good, I believe, for President Trump. It shows that Judge Cannon is uh, looking at this with an objective point of view. And perhaps she may even be just a little bit biased against Jack Smith and his team, maybe because she can see the witch hunt that's playing out here. But of course, she has to do this as by the book as she can. And I give her a lot of credit for that. Now, I also saw this pop up over the weekend. And uh, this was uh, a bit of a mystery, something that uh, popped up on January 6th Uh, And that was widely used by the mainstream media and, of course, the government in their cases against people that participated in the uh, events that took place at the Capitol. Uh, When the crowds got to the Capitol, it appears that this gallows that you see sitting right here uh, had already been set up. Uh, There were individuals setting up these gallows very early on in the day. Uh, And, of course, Liz Cheney said, well, this is proof that the people attending this rally on January 6th attempted to or were planning to use it to assassinate people like Mike Pence, um, Nancy Pelosi and others. Uh, President Trump came out on uh, Twitter or excuse me, rather truth social and confirmed that, uh, of course, President Trump had never said anything like what Liz Cheney characterized him to say. Specifically, she claimed that uh, he had directed the people in Washington, D.C. that day to hang Mike Pence. Nobody ever said anything about hanging Mike Pence. I never actually saw these gallows. Uh, But what's really interesting about it is that apparently the individuals who set this up were there so early in the morning and that they likely were actually – employees of the federal government. Perhaps they were uh, FBI agents. Uh, So this is coming out of Open.Inc. And since it was set up so early in the morning, it, it, it begs the question, you know, if the people coming for President Trump's rally were not arriving until much, much later, uh, then how can we say that it was President Trump's individuals or President Trump's supporters? And if it was, then we certainly would have had some video of that. I think that the January 6th commission or somebody else would have actually uh, been ready to release it at a moment's notice. Uh, So- uh, this actually is uh, a fairly long video that you guys can go ahead and check out, and we to go ahead and drop it into the chat. We're not going to do the whole thing here today, but uh, I just thought that it was pretty funny to see the FBI getting caught in yet another lie uh, directed at the defamement of President Trump and the people who support him. Now, speaking about people who hate Donald Trump and want to defame him and judges who are not completely impartial. Uh, Judge Tanya Chutkin, who is the judge in Washington, D.C., an Obama appointee, uh, she has openly shown disdain for President Trump, not only in this case before her regarding President Trump, but also in cases for other January 6th defendants who have come before her in the past. Uh, She is arguing that President Trump should be gagged and silenced uh, because he used the word thug, and she claims that that intimates or implies Some level of violence. Now, of course, the motion to gag President Trump came out of Special Counsel Jack Smith and his team, Uh, and I think the the overlying excuse would be that they don't want him uh, meddling in this case in some way. They don't want him poisoning the minds of the jury. But let's be really honest. As we know, there are only so many people in Washington, D.C., and 99 percent of them already don't like President Trump, uh, identify as Democrats, and probably 90 percent of them have already been seated or questioned uh, to be impaneled on one of these January 6th grand juries because we're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And I think that this was the plan uh, of the deep state all along. They wanted to ensure that President Trump would be silenced at a certain point. Obviously, his supporters, us and and the people who are actually paying attention to what the government is doing to him, uh, they understand that being able to speak out against charges that have been levied against you uh, that are wholly fabricated and are completely baseless, uh, is a, an important aspect of the right to free speech here in America. Uh, but Jack Smith says that uh, this is uh, going to illegitimize the process. This is going to uh, essentially poison the minds of anybody listening to president trump perhaps they will hear president trump talking about the fact that he's innocent and then of course they might go in there and actually decide that he's innocent uh, and, and that would have nothing to do with the evidence presented against him of course uh, that's me being facetious it would have everything to do again to to do with that so judge chutkin uh, attacked President Trump and his team uh, for calling out Jack Smith and also his wife's far-left politics. Uh, She says this is not acceptable. She said just because this defendant happens to be running a political campaign doesn't give him the right to use any language he wants. Tell me how the term thug is justified here. It raises a real possibility of violence. Defense refers to oppression and tyranny. Uh, Certainly— Jack Smith and the Deep State Swamp Rats in Washington, D.C., they're the ones acting as thugs. And yes, perhaps thug does imply some sort of violence, but it's violence that's being committed against the person who would be the victim here. And the victim in this situation would be none other than President Trump. It doesn't mean that President Trump or anybody hearing that term wants to commit some action of violence against Jack Smith or his wife. Uh, Also, the defense says that it's fair for Mr. Trump to say the prosecutor is deranged and insane. That's an opinion. That would fall under free speech. President Trump should have every right in the world to characterize anyone else in this world based upon his personal feelings about them. If he believes— as an opinion that Jack Smith is deranged and insane, he has every right to say that. Most importantly, even a criminal defendant has a First Amendment right to criticize the prosecutor bringing the case. And of course, the defense says that it's outrageous that Jack Smith has linked Trump to violence. President Trump never made a call for anyone to commit overt acts of violence. And as we have seen on many different occasions, the vast majority of violent acts that were committed on January 6th were committed by people who were federal informants or perhaps they were even federal employees themselves. Andre 2121 says, the only way the deep state wins is if they get President Trump off the ballot. Uh, I, I would argue that even if they get President Trump off the ballot, uh, that that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to win uh, because either it causes mass, wide scale demonstrations of a scary type or the entire country writes in President Trump on their ballot. And as a result, he gets the most votes out of any candidate, regardless of whether they're on the ballot or not. I think they're going to try, and I think they have tried, but the Supreme Court has already declined to hear cases regarding President Trump's uh, legitimacy on the ballot. Uh, As it stands right now, there is no legal justification for anyone to take President Trump's name off of any ballots anywhere in the country. Uh, So I think that's uh, less likely to happen. Uh, And even if they do convict him and put him in prison for any length of time, that's going to galvanize the entire nation to vote for President Trump. And if they steal the election, even though we've all voted for him, that's going to be a really, really, really difficult day for a lot of people. And um, yeah, that's all I want to say about that. All right. So uh, after hearing that even a criminal defendant has a right to freedom of speech, Judge Cut- Judge Chutkin leaned in and said, in what kind of case do you think it's appropriate for a defendant to call a prosecutor a thug and remain on the streets? And she asked the same question twice, and the defense says this prosecution is unprecedented. What is a candidate to do to stay silent? And of course, that's what Judge Chutkin and Jack Smith would like for President Trump to be. She was also angry that President Trump has called her a Trump-hating judge. She hates Trump. It's obvious uh andre says very true they sure are trying hard trump 2024 love you zach love you too andre thank you very much for the support i really do appreciate it so why would she be upset that he called her a trump hating judge she is a trump hating judge she was appointed by barack obama uh she has previously expressed anger at president trump why because he's a free man and not behind bars can you believe it how much hatred do you have to have for somebody to want them to be thrown in? B- Thank you, S. Jones, 39. I appreciate it. How much hate do you have to have for someone to want them thrown in prison before they've even been judged in a court of law? That right there, my friends, is the very definition of tyranny. This would be akin to an uh, authoritarian uh, judiciary impaneled by a dictator, meeting out justice at the whim of their feelings for the day. She had this to say when discussing the fact that Trump says she's a Trump hater. Today, Judge Chutkin warned Trump's lawyers that politics had no place in her courtroom or in this case. The only problem is that she was berating a January 6th -er who she was overseeing his case Uh, at a sentencing back in October, and this is where she said that she was angry that President Trump was still free and not behind bars. She said it's a blind loyalty to one person who, by the way, remains free to this day. That certainly seems like she is just, like, dripping with derision. Uh, And she also said that January 6th protesters tried to violently overthrow the government. She must have been watching Nancy Pelosi's daughter's brand new documentary. Uh, I actually just I haven't watched it yet, but I saw it pop up to be watched the other day. I think I'm going to sit through it or maybe we'll have a viewing party here. I don't know if that's something anybody would be interested in, but it might be fun to make fun of and kind of debunk all of the various narratives that she has uh, on display. Here's the thing. Judge Chutkin has basically thrown the book at anybody that was in D.C. on January 6th. She's gone above and beyond whatever the prosecutors have asked for. Uh, She's pretty much made up her mind about the events of January 6th. She is not looking at every case on a case-by-case basis. She knows that it's a January 6th case, and she knows that she's going to give them whatever the maximum penalty is or over and above it. So now she being the one to oversee President Trump's January 6th trial, where the president is facing four federal counts, uh, she is also, in my opinion, going to attempt to throw the book at President Trump. We've got, of course, conspiracy to defraud the United States. Where? At what point? He was president of the United States and he stepped away. He allowed a peaceful transition of power, even though the election had been stolen. President Trump did everything that he could have to keep the country together. And the great irony is by doing so, the country is coming apart at the seams as a result of it, not because of President Trump, but because of the person they wanted to install to replace him. You know, I have this. I have this tweet here that I really wanted to play for you guys. It's a it's a couple of billionaires in um, San Francisco having a conversation about uh the state of the world right now. Let, let me pull this up and we'll, before we continue with this article because I, I, I made a, a comment about this on my show with Brad last week and shared a, a little snippet of it on Telegram and maybe I put it on Twitter or Truth Social. I, I don't remember. Um, but this really goes to show you how far we've come as a nation, how far we've fallen as a nation as well.
1: I was told that it was the end of the world. And that's what I thought. Trump was elected. I was told that it was the end of the world. And that's what I thought. And I'd already underwritten him as an F. Okay? And then four years into the presidency, he was probably like a C in my mind. And then as I get a little bit of distance away, I realized, no, hold on a second. This guy was like a BB+. B like, he was pretty good. I, I voted so. for Hillary Clinton. I voted for yeah. Joe Biden but this is the honest assessment the guy did for the things that he was supposed to do a good job and for where every other president found a way to frankly make our situation a little bit worse specifically around wars he did not do that and that is a huge accomplishment that i think needs to be acknowledged i
0: think the thing that was smart about trump was that he was willing to do business yes he was willing to negotiate and he didn't feel the need to make these moral condemnations all the time. He was willing to meet with Kim Jong-un. He was willing to meet with Putin and and Xi Jinping. And he avoided uh, criticizing them personally. He didn't call them dictators. He talked about how smart they are. Yeah. It's the art of the deal, right? I mean, at the end of the day, he's looking to do business.
1: One's Trump derangement syndrome causing more damage than anything that Trump could have actually done. And I think the answer Twitter sucks. What's going on? <laughs> because like it's now causing us to not see that good work and then embrace and extend it. So much of the work that happened in that administration turns out to have been right. And that's what's so frustrating for me. The work on the border wall. We didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. Turned out it was right. Issuing long term debt to refinance when rates were at zero. We didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. A structural piece in the Middle East. We didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. When are we going to stop shooting ourselves in the foot? And when are we going to actually see and take the time to look past who is saying things and actually listen to them word for word. I mean, how
0: consequential is that message? That message is coming from several people who they're, they're billionaires, OK, in, uh, in in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, something like that. Uh, these guys were on the cusp, the leading, bleeding edge of the people trying to stop Donald Trump from remaining in power. Okay, they put all of their money into candidates that opposed him. Uh, they were. Oh, thank you. Arizona sunshine. Thank you very much for that over on Kofi. And now, after just a little bit of reflection and a couple of years of separation between President Trump's administration and a couple of years of the resident at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, they can honestly say, you know what? We effed up. We completely screwed up. We didn't like the way Trump tweeted, boo hoo, pull up your pants, change your tampon, get over it. You shot yourself in the foot and now you are reaping what you've sown. So getting back to the uh, uh, the situation with Judge Chutkin, um, the legal team for President Trump, of course, believes and has argued that there was no such thing as an attempt to overthrow the government. President Trump was the president. However, Judge Cut, Judge Chutkin believes that this was nothing less than an attempt to violently overthrow the government, the legally, lawfully, peacefully elected government by individuals who were mad that their guy lost. That's not what happened on January 6th. It's not even close to what happened on January 6th. Uh, Crane up says, just walked in, have to play the replay, uh, have In the in just walked in, have to replay that one later. Thank you, Zach. Thank you very much, Cranop. I appreciate it. Now she said this when sentencing a nonviolent offender, okay, a woman who is charged with obstruction. (laughs) That's like the, the favorite the favorite charge that corrupt cops will give people. Stop resisting. Okay, you're guilty of obstruction. You won't give me your ID, even though you don't have to legally do it. Well, you're guilty of obstruction. So earlier in this conversation with President Trump's attorneys, the prosecutor about Trump posts, he knows the effect of these statements. They're amplified. They're motivating people to threaten others. I'm sorry, but I've never threatened anybody on the left. However, There was open calls for violence against people like us simply because we supported President Trump and and people will still look at you, certain segments of society who are completely brainwashed, and they believe that it's perfectly within the boundaries of everything that's good to commit acts of violence, to get their point across, to force you to adopt their ideology. That's communism right there. The judge shifts to a fourth category of statements after hearing about uh, the prejudices of the jury pool, threatening to chill witnesses. She says, Trump has referred to me as Trump hating Obama judge. Uh, And she expressly stated that Mr. Trump's rights do not extend to speech that knowingly elicits threats. How is that a threat? You hate me. Not you getting offended by that. But the people watching who hate me. You hate me. Okay? You you watching because you don't like what I have to say and you want to like catch me slipping or something like that. Media Matters, Alex, my boy. Maybe you're watching. You hate me. Okay? You don't like what I say. But it's not a threat to me. It's certainly not a threat to you for me to say that. I may not like you. I may not like the things you write. But by stating that openly, once again, it's an opinion. It is within my First Amendment rights to express that. Judge Judkin believes that President Trump doesn't have unfettered First Amendment rights. So in other words, there are limits that should be placed on your freedom of speech, which in effect neutralizes the first amendment it neutralizes freedom of speech you do not have freedom of speech and that's been shown quite a, quite a, quite a few times over the last several years so <clears throat> president trump was hit with this gag order Uh, Jack Smith and his team said the need for the proposed order is further evidenced by a review of the defendant's prejudicial statements in the weeks since the government initially filed its motion on September 15th. And that Trump has waged a sustained campaign of prejudicial public statements regarding witnesses, the court, the district and the prosecutors. They're all corrupt. It doesn't matter if President Trump can't say it, guys, we will be able to say it. We'll continue to tell Judge Chutkin, we know you hate President Trump. We know Jack Smith just wants to handicap him and stop him from being able to be president again. We know that the D.C. swamp is working overtime to ensure that President Trump never sets foot back in that city, that district, unless he's actually going to court. So now President Trump is officially barred from speaking out against Special counsel Jack Smith, the court, any witnesses, all of it. And Trump's lawyer, John Laro, rightfully argued that this gag order would stop Trump from campaigning and speaking on important issues, which it will. Again, that's the point. This is when Judge Judge Chutkin laughed at the lawyers and said President Trump does not have unfettered First Amendment rights. Uh, And she says that the current conditions are working, saying she well, I'm sorry, the lawyers say the current conditions are working just fine. She disagreed and she went through President Trump's statements uh, and she said there's no question that the court is entitled to draw restrictions to ensure the fair administration of justice. There is no such thing as the fair administration of justice in the United States of America as it sits today. The Department of Justice is made up of a two tiered system. One set of rules for them, one set of rules for us. And if the Department of Justice wants to spend all of the money that they have, that they take from your pockets to destroy your heroes, to destroy you, to destroy the people you love, to destroy the people willing to do the good, hard work to save America, well, then you just have to eat that big bowl of dog excrement. S-18 says, thank you for your daily news. Always waiting for 4 p.m. You're the number one go-to. Thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. So we are moving headlong into the trial, which begins March 4th of next year. Judge Chutkin says that it's not about censorship. We're talking about restrictions to ensure there is a fair administration of justice in this case. Uh, They always piss on your head and tell you that it's raining. Well, I don't I don't buy it, and I know you don't buy it, and I know President Trump doesn't buy it. Justice was not served today. The deep state has once again restricted President Trump's ability to do and say what he needs to do. And this will not be lost on American citizens who understand what their rights are and understand how perverted this system has become. Sit back. We'll be right back after this bitcoin etf is all the rage right now and that's because a major financial player is just now resubmitting their application for a bitcoin etf so As a result, investors are thinking this is just over the horizon. Mainstream adoption is right around the corner. Now, add to that, lawmakers recently voted to set guidelines on just when and how crypto firms should register with either the Commodities Futures Trading Commission or the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, while all of this is good news, an ETF only gives you exposure to crypto, not direct ownership. The whole point of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin is to directly own an asset with a finite supply that is outside of any government influence. And my digital money can help you do that. With my digital money, you own your crypto, whether you invest in a crypto IRA or with a standard trading account. Now remember, it's important to diversify your portfolio. And when it comes to a crypto investment, direct ownership is of the utmost importance. So don't get caught up in the excitement the media is trying to spin because nothing beats owning your own crypto and nothing beats investing in crypto through my digital money. Not only are you able to invest with them using a crypto IRA, but also a standard trading account and it's all in the same platform. You also have the assurance that your assets are going to be put into a trust. That means that no matter what happens to my digital money, your crypto is always safe. So if you're ready to invest in cryptocurrency, do so with MyDigitalMoney.com. Once again, that's MyDigitalMoney.com. The link is in the description box below. And I should also tell you they have excellent U.S.-based customer service. So feel free to give them a call with any questions you might have at 833-636-2008. Invest with MyDigitalMoney.com today. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right. Welcome back. Thank you for being here. Vector, I'm not late, buddy. You're late. I've been on for a half hour. What are you talking about? Anyways, um, I I know that a lot of people are still interested in a Speaker Trump. I'm interested in a Speaker Trump, but there are things that preclude that. Before we get into the Speaker race, uh, we have to see what President Trump said about the order from Judge Chutkin. It was short, sweet, Um, uh, But Liz uh, Harris was able to actually say a little bit more. President Trump essentially just said that a terrible thing happened to democracy today, a gag order. Well, I mean, you really can't put it any other way. That's exactly what happened. So Liz Harrington. Put this statement out. Today's decision is an absolute abomination and another partisan knife stuck in the heart of our democracy by crooked Joe Biden. I know it's a republic, but this is Liz saying this, who was granted the right to muzzle his political opponent, the leading candidate for the presidency in 2024 and the most popular political leader in America, President Donald J. Trump. President Trump will continue to fight for our Constitution, the American people's right to support him, and to keep our country free of the chains of weaponized and targeted law enforcement. Uh, Also... Andre 2121 says, I have to stay silent being in the military, and my father is the only one I can talk to about the deep state. I know what it's like to get hate for being conservative. Your streams keep me sane, LOL. Man, uh, that's awesome. I'm I'm really glad. I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm glad to hear that I'm able to help offer a brief reprieve from the insanity. And um, thank you very much for tuning in. I don't know if you're deployed, uh, if you're overseas, if you're here in the United States, but no matter where you're at, Thank you very much uh, for your service and for having the courage to join our military at a time uh, when there is so much garbage happening there. Now, what's really interesting is that on the day they muzzle President Trump, none other than Joe Biden joins Truth Social. Uh, he had this to say. He's only following one account, and that's, of course, President Trump, probably so they can keep an eye on uh, what he's saying a little bit easier. Uh, but it's Biden-Harris HQ, and you can see it is uh, 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 verified. So we know that this is the official Biden-Harris uh, account just the facts, Jack. A project of Biden Harris twenty twenty four. Uh, almost six thousand people on Truth Social already following this account have to believe that's consisting lo- mostly of bots and, of course, uh, the brain dead liberals who joined uh, in an effort to try to own everybody over there on Truth Social. But anyways, he said, well, let's see how this goes. Converts welcome. Uh, I don't think that Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or their team are going to be converting anybody over on Truth Social. uh, But I figured I would go ahead and respond once. Uh, I said the 2020 election was a fraud. Trump won. The reason DC refuses to secure our elections is because without deceit, you'd never be able to claim victory. Oh, yeah. And there's only two genders. So, anyways, just wanted to put that out there. <clears throat> I think that it is uh, absolutely appropriate if you want to go ahead and troll this account once or uh, maybe twice. But by and large, I plan to just allow it to die on the vine. All right. So over the weekend, now we're getting into the speaker's race discussion here. First of all, President Trump, there is a rule in the House that anybody who's charged with a felony cannot be the Speaker of the House. So in order for President Trump to be Speaker of the House, uh, they would have to change the rules. And I don't see that happening because they wouldn't be able to get it through um, now. <clears throat> or maybe they could get it through, but I, I don't think so. There's too many freaking rhinos in there. <clears throat> but <clears throat> that leaves us with uh, the people who have thrown their hat in the ring. Now, uh, Steve Scalise, he, he won the secret ballot. However, he was unable to whip up the votes. So that left one person and one person only, and that was Jim Jordan. He won again in another secret ballot. Uh, The only problem is that apparently there were elements of the Republican Party Uh, who were hoping to have a challenger against Jim Jordan when they go to vote tomorrow. So uh, apparently there is a segment of Republicans that are so hateful, uh, so against the uh, progression of the conservative ideals that we hold dear, that they would stand in the way of opposing Jim Jordan, thwarting him uh, in order to put a challenger in that place so that they will split the vote and they won't be able to get Jim Jordan elected. Uh, There were two House Republicans who made a statement to Politico. Those people, I'm hoping, will be primaried. Uh, This was political suicide as far as I'm concerned. Now, uh, at the time of this article being written yesterday, they had nobody. All they knew was that they wanted to block Jim Jordan from becoming Speaker of the House. And they say in this article it's because he's too right wing. He is too conservative. This is the far right flank of the Republican caucus. So uh, they say there will be an alternative for the rational part of the Republican Congress. Uh, And of course, this would throw a monkey wrench in Jim Jordan's attempt to become Speaker of the House. It goes to show you that if they're working that diligently to ensure that Jordan will not become Speaker of the House, I think that shows us that Jim Jordan is the only and the best candidate at this time. Uh, Now, uh, there was no additional information coming out about this, only that uh, Hakeem Jeffries was out speaking about it yesterday. And that's where it gets really interesting, because not only was Hakeem Jeffries and the Democratic caucus apparently part of this plan to throw up a challenger to Jim Jeffries. uh, He claimed that the rhinos in the GOP caucus were planning to work with the Democrats not only to stop Jim Jordan, but also to concede power back to the Democrats. The Republican rhinos that were apparently planning to do this, these people were definitely on the cusp of committing political suicide. Can you imagine the entirety of America right now knows that Democrat leadership is ineffectual, that Joe Biden is an illegitimate president, that all of the problems we see in front of us right now are due to one thing and one thing only, and that is the D.C. swamp. This, my friends, is the greatest example of that D.C. swamp in action. So apparently they have this plan to not only block Jim Jordan, but to enter into some sort of power sharing agreement with the Democrats simply because they could not handle the idea of Jim Jordan being Speaker of the House. Apparently, Even though Jim Jordan is wildly popular with grassroots conservatives and many conservative groups all over the country, uh, there were supporters of Kevin McCarthy who were so outraged that we would want to get rid of Kevin McCarthy, that we would call for the challenging of that entrenched Republican establishment and getting Kevin McCarthy kicked out of that seat. He did absolutely nothing that he said he would do. He worked with the Democrats and Joe Biden to ensure that funding for Ukraine would continue on. He was an absolute failure. He was an example of the D.C. swamp in action. And these same people that supported Kevin McCarthy becoming Speaker of the House were now going to work with the Democrats to ensure that nobody would be Speaker. You see, the thing is there were not enough votes on either side to ensure that any one person could become Speaker. So they said, you know what? Rather than fighting for the things that Americans want, rather than giving the American people the representation and the leadership that they elected us for, we're just going to give it all away. We're going to walk over and shake hands with the Democrats, and we're just going to pass the ball back and forth. We'll let you get some stuff done. You let us get some stuff done. And we don't have to worry about anybody who's a problem, anybody who really gives a rat's ass about America. So uh, Kristen Walker uh, was interviewing Hakeem Jeffries, and she said, we heard you talking about a bipartisan solution to resolving this stalemate in the House. It's not a stalemate yet because they haven't voted for a new speaker. Are you actually having conversations behind the scenes with the Republican counterparts about trying to create a bipartisan solution, a governing coalition? He said there are informal conversations that have been underway. When we get back to Washington tomorrow, which is today, it's important to begin to formalize those discussions. Hakeem Jeffries does not have enough votes to become Speaker of the House, but he wants that power. He wants to hold as much of that power as he possibly can, and if that means – Sharing a little bit of that power with Republicans who are basically on the exact same side as him because this is the uniparty after all. He is perfectly happy with that. They're ready for the mask to come off. They're ready to stop someone like Jim Jordan from even having the opportunity to prove to the American people that he will deliver on the promises he makes. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, of course, then said some things about community, blah, 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 and all that jazz. It, it's all code for basically we're going to we're going to bend you over and uh, govern you just a little bit harder. Well. Things changed today because we had a former major Kevin McCarthy supporter, Representative Mike Rogers, announced officially that he is supporting Jim Jordan. Now, this came as a result of pressure from people like you, my friends. I plan to come on this show today and encourage every single one of you to call your representatives off the hook and make them aware of how dangerous it would be to their political careers If they did anything other than support Jim Jordan. But I didn't even have to because it looks like you did it yourselves. So Mike Rogers, he's a Republican from Alabama. He announced today on Twitter that he's going to be supporting Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House. Now, uh, directly as a result of reports yesterday of this power sharing agreement that was going to be made between the uniparty apparatuses, you guys came out. You called, you emailed, you went to his office, you put the pressure that was needed on Congress. And this should go to show you that when we make up our minds, when we are unified on a certain subject, such as effective leadership in Congress, you know, we are sick of the ineffectual uniparty. We are sick of the lack of progress on real substantive issues that are affecting the American people. We are sick of watching our tax dollars be shipped overseas in endless wars. We are sick of our veterans and our homeless and our mentally ill not being taken care of, filling up the streets, being abandoned for what? For illegals? For people who shouldn't even be here? For scofflaws? For people who are going to rob, rape, pillage, organized theft, organized rape? Human trafficking, child trafficking. No, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of voting for somebody just because they have an R next to their name, hoping that they're going to do the right thing. It's time for you to realize that you have to do the right thing because you have pushed the American people too far. You've shown us exactly who you are. And now that we know, we're not going to let it go. So Jim Jordan responded by thanking Mike Rogers. He said, thank you, Chairman Rogers. Your leadership is just what our conference needs right now. We all must be coming together to get the work done. On top of that, Kevin McCarthy has also now endorsed Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House. So that means that all of those people from the Rhino Uniparty Conference that were going to stand in the way of Jim Jordan from becoming Speaker are now going to be voting for him. This is a major, major development, and I don't know why Kevin McCarthy did this. Maybe because he smelled the writing on the wall. Maybe because he didn't want the American people to blame him for not allowing somebody else to be speaker when we so clearly spoke out about not wanting him to be speaker. Kevin McCarthy announced that he will be endorsing House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan to become the next speaker. He said it's one thing to get elected. It's another thing to govern. It's time to get the House out of this tailspin, come together, and get America back on the right track. Jim Jordan can do it, he said it this morning on Fox & Friends. Uh, And he has continued to bring support over to Jim Jordan's side as a result of this. I applaud Kevin McCarthy for doing this. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. Either Jim Jordan becomes Speaker of the House and things change, Or Jim Jordan becomes Speaker of the House and he does the exact same thing that we've seen before. And I'm telling you, anyone, anyone in Congress who continues to play ball in the same usual manner does not deserve our support, does not deserve our patronage. As far as I'm concerned, at that point, they become enemies of this nation. Many of them I already see in that exact same light. But it's time to stop pussyfooting around, guys. This is it. It's do or die. Either they're going to push America over the edge or they're going to help us build this castle back up, however you want to put it. All right. So, well, Patrick, we'll see, won't we? Uh, Either he is or he isn't. But as it stands right now, the uh, uh, motion to vacate the chair still stands. So if Jim Jordan's a rug and Matt Gates doesn't believe that he's doing exactly what he promised he was going to do, then we can vacate the chair yet again. I don't care. We've got to deal with what we've got in place right now. We've got to play within the confines of this game as it's defined. So either Jim Jordan does it or he doesn't. I'm going to prefer... To go into this situation and sternly advise that the people who are in Washington, D.C. do what they were elected to do. And if they don't want to do it, then we will continue to vacate the chair. We will continue to go until we get somebody from the Freedom Caucus. Maybe that's the way it's supposed to play out. I don't know. But we're going to have to see. Can you please say pussyfoot again? My stream froze. (laughs) (laughs) Pussyfoot. Yes. Um, Okay. so some interesting news coming out of the House oversight investigation. Uh, They are currently looking into whether Joe Biden's stolen classified documents were used to make his family money. If I had to guess, I'd say that it just might. So they announced today that they're launching an investigation into this issue specifically. Did the Biden stolen documents get used as a means to bring more revenue into the Biden family? We are investigating whether classified documents President Biden was caught mishandling included sensitive information related to specific countries involved in his family's foreign business schemes. that brought in millions of dollars for the Bidens? I tend to think the answer is yes. So James Comer sent a letter to special counsel Robert Hurd demanding more information about the documents that were supposedly, or I guess, definitely taken because they were found to be in Joe Biden's possession. Uh, last week, they revealed that five White House employees were also involved in Biden's stolen documents case. We're going to talk about that next. They also revealed that Joe Biden and his attorney, Lied about communications and uh, when the classified documents were discovered. Take a look <laughs> at these boxes in the back of his garage uh, next to his, what, what is that, like a 1967 Corvette Stingray or something like that. Uh, these were documents, let me remind you, that were stolen from a skiff. This is a uh, special compartmentalized information that are, is only allowed to be viewed, v- like listened to or watched within the confines of this this black box, okay? You're not supposed to take them out. Hillary Clinton did the same thing okay she had specially compartmentalized information that she took out of these special rooms where you're not supposed to be able to view them and they were improperly stored not only in his garage but also at the Penn Biden Center, which was if I'm not mistaken paid for by the Chinese. Uh, he also stored classified documents in his home in his personal library. Uh, There were all kinds of spots where Joe Biden was stuffing these documents. There were nine boxes of documents taken from his Boston office, his lawyer's Boston office. And we have no idea what's in those boxes because the National Archives will not allow us the opportunity to look. Unlike President Trump, they splashed it all over the Internet. They took a glamour shot arranging a whole bunch of classified folders on the floor. Boom. That's a, that's a, a great picture for somebody's Facebook background. And of course, it was initially reported that Joe Biden's attorney was the one who first discovered Obama-Biden administration documents in a locked closet while they were packing files as they prepared to close down Biden's office in the Penn-Biden Center in November of 2022. And then Biden and his team claimed that they immediately contacted the National Archives upon discovering these documents that same month. They immediately called the archives, immediately called the archives, turned them over to the archives. And I was briefed about this discovery, Biden said. But that, of course, is a lie. Anytime Joe Biden's mouth is opening, you can bet a lie is going to be coming out of it. And according to new information that's been released from the House Oversight Committee, Annie Tomasini, who is the assistant to the president and senior advisor to the president and director of Oval Office Operations, went to the Penn Biden Center to take inventory of President Biden's documents and materials on March 18th of 2021, shortly after he moved into 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. So that means the classified documents were discovered nearly two years before Joe Biden's lawyer said he found them. Is there any wonder that the FBI and the DOJ were so anxious to get into Mar-a-Lago so that they could pin a classified documents case on President Trump. They knew from the get-go, from basically the moment Joe Biden set set foot back in Washington, D.C., that they had a big problem. And Chairman Comer, in his letter, cited Robert Hur's interview with President Biden, I would love to see that interview. Recent reports indicate you recently interviewed President Biden and other individuals involving this matter, and the committee now seeks information from your office to further our investigation. As detailed in the Oversight Committee's Bank Memoranda and Impeachment Inquiry Memorandum, evidence suggests Biden may have used certain members of his family, particularly his son, Hunter Biden, to accumulate millions of dollars from foreign individuals and entities for the benefit of his family and himself. And indeed, the Biden family received millions of dollars from foreign sources while Joe Biden served in public office and afterwards. If any of those classified documents were mishandled by President Biden in an effort to involve countries or individuals that had financial dealings with the Biden and the Biden family members or their related companies, the committee needs access to that information to evaluate whether our national security has been compromised. I believe it has. So uh, who are those five individuals? Uh, that were involved in the uh, cover-up of Joe Biden's classified documents. Well, we have one name. But here's the thing. Jonathan Turley, he is, of course, a very accomplished constitutional lawyer. Uh, He has a theory about why this new evidence is severely going to put a dent in Joe Biden's defense regarding his handling of these documents. Uh, So with the revelation of these five White House employees that were involved in covering up the classified documents case, uh, it really calls into question exactly what happened and exactly what was known when. Uh, Obviously, all of these documents uh, were not necessarily found at the same time. I would imagine that as soon as they found one set of documents, they probably said, oh, you know, ish, we got to go find as many of these documents as we have, uh, as could possibly be out there. But with all of this being one giant lie, the timeline, the story, the discovery, the call to the National Archives, uh, there is uh, quite a bit more going on. Uh, Jonathan Turley said now, however, it appears that a critical claim by the White House in the scandal may not only be false, but was knowingly false at the time that it was made. The White House and the Biden's council have long maintained, oops, hold on, have long maintained that as soon as documents were discovered in the D.C. office, uh, they notified the National Archives. Many asked why they did not call the FBI. But the White House has at least maintained that, unlike Trump, they took immediate action to notify authorities. Uh, I have referred to her as a neutron prosecutor. This is a special counsel with no possible charge under Justice Department policy, barring the indictment of a sitting president. It was – if that was not enough of a problem, her may have growing evidence that accounts offered by the White House over the discovery of the documents are false. Now, I know that it's impossible for a sitting president to be indicted, but now that we know there were at least five other people involved in the cover-up of this debacle, uh, it begs the question, will Robert Hur indict them? Uh, this new evidence could prove transformative not only for the criminal – but for the impeachment investigation of the president, you see, this could very easily be used as evidence in the impeachment trial, as uh, overwhelming evidence and reasoning why Joe Biden should be uh, removed from office, at which point, since he's no longer sitting, he could actually be charged under criminal law. If this new timeline is accurate, the question is whether Biden knew that the account being put forward by his staff and counsel was false. It also raises the question of whether the president seemingly possessed classified documents and lied about their removal, use, and discovery. Finally, if Biden repeated his public denials to her, there could be added allegations of false statements to federal investigators, another commonly charged federal crime. Uh, there is enough time in the remainder of Biden's term in office if he was to fully serve it. Uh, to charge him and still be within the statute of limitations once he leaves office. However, if he's forced out before then, well, of course, uh, we could go ahead and take care of it at that time. However, the removal of Joe Biden from office, although it presents us with the possibility of federal indictment, it does put us into a bit of a pickle because, of course, Kamala Harris is uh, as dumb as, if not dumber. Than Joe Biden. But we will have to see if Robert Hur does anything at all. We'll have to see how it plays out with the impeachment inquiry and, of course, the inquiry into Joe Biden's family. I want to remind you that there's nothing saying that Joe Biden's family can't be indicted for any number of various things. Uh, Okay, so uh, let me say what. Am I sure about that, Zach? Sure about what? Sure about what? What aspect of it? Yeah, I'm really making an effort to pay attention to Zach and not get distracted by the chat. But like Malcolm McLaren said on Buffalo Gales, all this scratching is making me edge. Um Am I sure about that? Biden is pretty dumb. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Biden is pretty dumb. Uh, here's the thing. I, I think that. Kamala Harris may be uh, the intellectual inferior to Joe Biden when Joe Biden was in his prime. Uh, clearly, Joe Biden is diminished in his capacity as a, uh, uh, a dementia patient. Uh, but, you know, here, why don't we do this? You sure about that? I'll play along. You sure about that? You sure about that? <clears throat> Okay, so the observer says, what's the end game here? Nothing will happen to Biden one way or the other. I suppose you can add it to the what if category of things that in the long run just don't matter. Uh, Listen, observer, you've been so salty as of late. Uh, From my perspective, and I've made this argument on many different occasions, uh, I believe, as I've said so many times, that the point of this exercise is to wake up the American public. The vast majority of America needs to understand, as you do clearly, that this system is rigged, that we are not playing with a fair game, uh, that our government has been weaponized against us, and that our our, proce- our our politicians are criminals. In order to prove that, we must have investigations. We must have a revelation of that information. And we must deliver that information to the American public. I see that as my mandate to get the truth out there and to discuss this with people. How uh, useful would it be if I just went on the air every day and said, well, shit, nothing's going to happen. I might as well go to bed. I don't think it would. All right. So, you know, I I ask, you know, what are what are you doing to try to wake people up? Because if you're just going into chats and saying it doesn't matter, Well, then I don't think that that's very constructive at all. Uh, And I'm not saying that there isn't something that you're doing. I'm just, you know, I'm not seeing it. All I'm seeing is you say that it doesn't matter. How does it not matter if it wakes people up and urges them to get involved themselves in the civic process at the local level? Because that's my wish. That's all I've ever asked of you is to get involved, to get out there and do something. Don't just stay behind your computer angry at the world. You have every opportunity to be useful in this fight against tyranny. If you truly think that nothing is going to happen, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to do for you. I don't think there's anything I can do for you at, at that point. But you, know, you can always come back to the fold if you want to. All right, so. Uh, let's move on to uh, additional crimes of the Biden family. Uh, this time, we're going to be looking at Ukraine. Uh, so we have a, uh, a bit of evidence here uh, suggesting that uh, Joe Biden did some dirty dealings in Ukraine. Uh, and Andrei Derkich, uh has uncovered why Joe Biden's connection to a corrupt scheme of reverse gas supplies in Ukraine uh, could, in fact, be criminal behavior. Uh, so – We all know there are many investigations uh, heralded against the Biden crime family. And again, bringing that information to the forefront, I believe, is a public service to the American people. Not everybody is at the same level that many of you are, understanding that this system is corrupt, that Joe Biden's a criminal, uh, that so many other people in Washington, D.C. are also criminals. Uh, We need to do something about that. We need to educate and inform as many people as possible. We are working in an uphill battle here. They own the means of production. They own the levers of communication. Uh, And in order for us to overcome that, the only way we can do it is, again, using the tools at our disposal. And this is the tool at my disposal. So – Uh, We have, uh, of course, opposition from the Democrats. Uh, They would have you believe that there are no scandals surrounding the Biden family, that there's no crimes that have been committed. However, from all of the things that we've learned over the last several years and even before we really started hitting this hard, uh, it's quite obvious that the Biden crime family is a long-lived criminal enterprise. Uh, And of course, uh, as he sits in the White House at Pennsylvania 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, we have key people in positions of authority who are just as dirty and who are also working to ensure that you remain asleep and that nothing happens to Joe Biden. The only way that I think that that is a possibility is if we roll over and play dead, uh, the FBI, the DOJ, the IRS, uh, all of Biden's diplomatic missions abroad, uh, All seem to have been involved in hiding evidence and hindering and slowing down investigations into Joe Biden. And of course, at the same time, accelerating investigations into President Trump and his family. Uh, Now, we have these uh, two committees that are currently ongoing, which, uh, you know, are, are better than nothing as far as I'm concerned. We're talking about the impeachment. Uh, We're also talking about the investigation into Joe's family. Uh, We are also now pulling in other players such as Barack Obama Uh, and, of course, people within Joe Biden's inner circle, people that have been surrounding him for a very long time, people like Anthony Blinken, uh, people like George Kent, people like Amos Hochstein uh, and uh, the very many countries that Joe Biden has engaged in business with. Uh, Now, it's often been said that many of these scandals are going to lead directly back to Barack Obama, because although Joe Biden may have traded for American foreign policy, Barack Obama was the president. He was the one who was actually going to be delivering on many of those promises. Uh, Is it reasonable to assume that perhaps Barack Obama received some sort of payment as well? In exchange for doing what Joe Biden was uh, hoping he would do to uh, help out his family, maybe he had gotten payoffs in another way. Uh, but uh, there is uh, a never-ending stream of information coming out about the implications uh, surrounding Joe Biden and his relationships in all of these various uh, areas around the world. Uh, Andre uh who was a, a Ukrainian politician, Uh, had uh, direct involvement in in introducing the uh, crimes of the Bidens to the world. Uh, suggesting the shady earnings and the influence peddling that he was involved with, with Burisma Holdings, Uh, also the plundering of international uh, technical assistance by grant organizations in Ukraine. That was done with the tacit approval of the uh, U.S. diplomatic mission abroad, also top leaders in the Democrat Party. Uh, And of course, uh, they were hoping to install Hillary Clinton back in 2016 to kind of carry on what they had started in the color revolution of 2014. So getting into a little bit more detail, during the period of complication in relations between Ukraine and the Russian Federation after the annexation of Crimea and the fighting beginning in 2014 in eastern Ukraine, uh, there were a lot of international organizations that came in and began to set up shop. Also, the United States came in. They determined uh, exactly What people were put in charge? If you remember that uh, phone call with um, uh, Victoria Newland, I played for you a long time ago. You may have heard it. Maybe you weren't listening at that time. Um, But they also decided who was going to be carving up the Ukrainian energy sector. Of course, part of a uh, independent Ukraine separate from Russia depended largely on their energy independence so that they wouldn't have to depend on Russia as many other nations in Europe uh, have done in recent years. So they had to shut them off from Russia and kind of integrate them into the European energy system. So this transition implied the purchase of energy carriers at European spot prices and regulation within the domestic market in terms of pricing. So these changes led to an increase in gas, electricity, and heating tariffs for energy and uh, for industry and households. And that increase in cost has uh, continued to rise since that time. You've got a couple of very important key players in that industry uh, that are still operating there. That is the National Commission for State Regulation uh, of energy and public utilities. That was influenced uh, only the uh, the pricing of domestic market tariffs. And then you've got PJV Navgots of Ukraine, which is the state monopoly and Ukraine's largest and most profitable energy company, as they were if they were a state monopoly. Um, <clears throat> so the immediate head of PJ Navgots is Andrei Koblev. And uh, they also have the supervisory board of that company, which includes Amos Hochstein, somebody who's very close to Joe Biden. Uh, he had been an advisor to Joe Biden when he was vice president. Uh, Hochstein had held this position up until 2021, and now he is appointed as Joe Biden's White House advisor once again. But Amos Hochstein is called the architect of this corrupt scheme that involved the so-called Reverse of European gas to Ukraine, uh, and it was to control its implementation by the state-appointed supervisory board of Naftas uh, of Ukraine, and that allowed for a control of the money going in a number of different directions. And of course, it ended up largely going into pockets of Joe Biden and people surrounding him. And of course, the Biden crime family had a large part to play in the Barisma scandal. Um, but uh, Andrei durkic was the guy who had that press conference in Kiev uh, early on in President Trump's administration where he exposed a lot of the Biden's involvement and in the Biden ancillaries, the people surrounding them uh, in this uh, scandal to siphon money out of Ukraine and essentially um, force the people of Ukraine to basically pay the cost. Uh, He said that the reverse from Slovakia in 2014 was made by Joe Biden uh, and uh, a number of other Changes that were made in the Ukrainian energy sector uh, were also directly at the hands of Joe Biden, uh, some of those other organizations that I mentioned earlier, NAFGOTS uh, of Ukraine, Burisma, uh, USAID grantees. USAID has uh, large ties to the um, Central Intelligence Agency, uh, and uh, they're hoping to get possible witnesses to Joe Biden's international corruption in Ukraine, out of harm's way, there is a distinct possibility that Joe Biden may want to see people fall off a bridge or perhaps uh, die in a sudden and untimely manner. manner. <clears throat> but in the last six months alone, there have been three cases involving key witnesses to Joe Biden's specific corruption schemes. Uh, that have been closed in Ukraine, and uh, that includes the Burisma case. We have a fourth case involving a man by the name of Andrei Kobolev. He was the head of NAFGOT's Ukraine. Uh, he is the executor of Amos Hochstein's billion-dollar scheme to reverse that European gas to Ukraine, uh, and this company is close to being completely dismantled. Uh, we've had Democratic top brass traditionally defend itself against the accusations that have been made by Durkacz. Uh They have been called Russian dis. Information and propaganda, Uh, but the evidence has actually stood in Ukrainian courts. Uh, It's been corroborated and there have been official investigations. Uh, They also have documents uh, which implicate the United States and uh, some of its uh, um, primary individuals that have been involved in Ukraine for quite some time. Uh, So if there is a removal of Joe Biden, uh, then it's very likely that he could be called in for questioning on this specific instance. And it could also be used again in the uh, upcoming impeachment proceedings, which are likely to take place very, very shortly. Chakra Heart says I'm paying attention to you. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Sterling, good to see you, buddy. Forests of Liberty says conservative is the new Democrat. Well, I'd say the uniparty is uh, Democrats and Republicans. I mean, it's all the same. Um, I choose to vote for Republicans and I have chosen to vote for Republicans simply because President Trump ran as a Republican, uh, and there is more about the Republican Party that uh, aligns with what I truly believe. But honestly, at the end of the day, I consider myself to be a conservative, constitutional libertarian. Um, But yeah, the uniparty is the problem, um, and they control the Republicans and the Democrats. So let's get a little bit more lighthearted before we close out the show here. Uh, Joe Biden wished a happy 50th birthday to George Floyd over the weekend. I wonder if he knew that he was dead, probably. Uh, This, to me, was an obvious attempt at pandering to the black voting base that traditionally has voted for Democrats here in America, uh, of which Joe Biden has lost a significant amount of support. Uh, He is down among black voters in America, 17 points since he first came into the presidency. Uh, He. He had this to say, George Floyd's memory reminds us that there is more work to do to redeem the soul of America. Let us recommit to changing hearts and minds while enacting policies and laws that ensure our nation lives up to its founding idea that we're all created equal and deserve to be treated equally throughout our lives. George Floyd did not die because of racism. George Floyd died in police custody. Because he was on drugs and because his body stopped functioning, okay? He couldn't breathe because he was on too much fentanyl and his respiratory function was depressed. Maybe because there was a cop kneeling on him, it aided that fact. But the cop wasn't kneeling on him because he was black. The cop was kneeling on him because he was resisting arrest and because he was acting all kinds of crazy because, again, he was on fentanyl-laced pills and George Floyd expired. It was tragic. Too bad. But it had nothing to do with race. I can also prove that his death had nothing to do with race because in all of the court cases where the police were tried for the death of George Floyd— Not once, not once did any prosecutor in any of the numerous cases bring up race as a reason for the behavior of the police on that day. Uh, No, I I think this is pandering, and I think that uh, the rest of America sees it uh, as pandering as well. Now. I would love to know how far down Joe Biden is among just regular voters in general, I, but it's difficult to gauge, right? Because we can't trust the number of people who allegedly cast a ballot for him back in 2020. Uh, we can't really pay attention to any of the polls uh, that were done at that time because I think they were oversampled for Democrats and people who wanted to see him in office. Uh, but we can look at his behavior today uh, and we can point out uh, various elements uh, that would make people People not want to vote for him. And uh, in a speech that he gave over the weekend to, to some human rights campaign thing, something about gays, uh, he said that um, – well, first of all, he said that he saw two men kissing when, like when he was like eight years old on the street corner. I highly doubt that. It was very unlikely that people were openly gay, especially in like Delaware or in Pennsylvania, That just wasn't happening. So uh, hang on just a sec. There is a clip here that we're going to go ahead and and play for you because...
2: Just a little bit, and it comes roaring out again. Folks, we have to reject hate in every form because history has taught us again and again... Anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, homophobia, transphobia—they're all connected. Hate toward one group left unanswered opens the door for more hate toward more groups, more often, readily. But here's what we just showed: the antidote to hate is love. The answer to twisted dehumanizing ideology is solidarity. What standing up for everyone in humanity. That's why the laws that actually protect equality matter every single American, no matter who you are, who you love, or where you come from.
0: Unless you're a Trump supporter. It
2: shouldn't be about conservative, liberal, red or blue. It should be about realizing the promise of the Declaration of Independence. Sounds corny, but a promise rooted in the sacred and the secular, that all people are created equal. Endowed by our created with certain inalienable rights. Among them, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.
0: Okay. And the reason they had him say that is because, oh, you know, you know the thing. He couldn't remember it previously. Folks,
2: it may sound corny, but we've never fully lived up to that promise, but we've never walked away from it like many want us to do. And we're not going to walk away from it on my watch, I promise you. And all of you here tonight, and all the advocates and allies across the country, I see the light that's going to triumph over the darkness. I see the hope... That's gonna conquer fear. I see the love that's gonna overcome hate in all its forms.
0: He's just he's so angry. Like every time he's talking, he's he's yelling, he's mumbling, he's garbling. Here's that story about seeing a couple of dudes kissing. I just, I don't believe it. I was raised by a man who was really a decent, honorable man. I remember he was dropping me off. I wanted to be, I wanted to work in the projects as a lifeguard in Eastside Wilmington. And as I got out of the car, two men, they leaned up and one kissed the other. And I'd never seen that before. I just turned and looked at my dad and he said, Joey, It's simple. They love each other. I just don't believe it. Jim Kyle says two-faced liar. Yes, he is a two-faced liar. Absolutely. Joe Biden, it just all he does is lie. That's all he's ever done in his entire career. He's lied, and now he's at the end stages of life. You know, Lisa has told me before that people with dementia, they get angry, they scream and yell, and they will mumble and say weird things. I mean, I've just, I've, I've seen it. I've seen people seen videos of it, and I truly believe that Joe Biden is in the throes of dementia. It's sad more than anything else, but this man is a criminal, uh, allegedly, by my opinion. Uh, And if it wasn't for Dr. Jill, I don't know what he would be doing. He certainly wouldn't be able to find his way. Uh, He wouldn't be able to find his ass from a hole in the (laughs) ground. All right. All right. We're almost done. We're almost done. But keep your eyes open because uh, Israel has apparently bombed Syria. Uh, There were rockets that were launched out of Syria. And of course, you know, this is undoubtedly going to draw more players in the region into this conflict. Uh, It's not a good thing. And uh, as long as Joey B is sitting in the White House, uh, we're we're not going to be any closer to any possible state of peace. And and Joe doesn't want peace. He said on 60 Minutes last night, we're the United States of America, for God's sake, the most powerful country, the most powerful nation in the history of the world. This is in regards to supporting multiple wars. Um, We don't want multiple wars. We can't pay for what we've got already. All you're doing is sending money. Uh, to people, you know, you've got people on both sides who, who don't care for America, who don't care for Christianity. It's a sad, sad thing. I saw this crazy video earlier, you know, of, um, you know, Jewish people saying, you know, kill all Muslims, and then Muslim people saying, kill all Jews. <laughs> both of them saying, kill all Christians. <laughs> I know not everybody feels that way, but good God, you know, I, that's not how I was raised. I wasn't told... Um, uh, he could camel toe would be worse. Really? <laughs> how how could camel toe be worse? Really? No, I, I, I mean, you're right. You're right. It, it's a bad look either way. There is like no, no good solution there. We've got probably the two worst people in America in public office right now. I mean, Gavin Newsom might be worse. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, literally the entire Democrat caucus, uh, at either the state or federal level, just horrible. But this was interesting, I thought. You've got the head of the Shin Bet Security Agency accepting responsibility for failing to thwart the terror attack that took place last weekend. Um, And I said at the time that the only way that attack would have happened is if somebody wanted it to happen. Remember, you've got that uh, festival that was moved two days prior. Uh, You also had a very interesting video from uh, – Patrick Byrne that I saw this morning, somebody had tagged me in it. I'm sorry I don't remember your name, but thank you very much for tagging me, Uh, where Patrick Byrne was talking about the judicial reforms that uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has been attempting to institute, and uh, the people who don't want the judicial reforms are ones that were in control of the security apparatus, and they basically told Benjamin Netanyahu there's going to be a security blackout, and you're going to wish there wasn't. And then wouldn't you know it, we have this attack coming in from uh, the fighters of Hamas, and uh, you got people being murdered. You've got uh, Palestinian um, civilians getting blown up. It's a lose-lose situation. Uh, But who is this guy, the chief of Shin Bet? Uh, And I don't know who he is. I've never heard of him before. I don't know anything about Shin Bet. I tend to think that Shinbet must be like the local security agency as the one who heads the organization. The responsibility for this is on me. There will be time for investigations. Now we are fighting. Ten members of the Shinbet agency were killed in last week's surprise Hamas attack, they're saying, uh, and the agency anticipated a smaller scale attack. So they were expecting something. They just weren't expecting uh, what they actually got. Here is some, perhaps a bit of disinformation that's coming from MSNBC. And I just thought that it was important because I, you know, anytime you see something like this, people are like, oh, look at this. Here's the evidence Hamas, then we need to kill all Palestinians. Allegedly, Inside the pockets of some of these guys, they found some documents which you know drew a map basically of exactly what they intended to do. It, the, the documents allegedly say that they were intentionally targeting elementary schools and a youth center during the attack uh, and uh, a dance concert. I don't know if that's the same dance concert that we saw, but obviously they intended to hit that. But uh, these documents apparently said, you know, hey, go into schools, kill children and then take them hostage. But here's the thing. The attack took place on a weekend. There's no school taking place on a weekend. So and especially with it being the Sabbath, everybody's supposed to stay home, aren't they? You're not even allowed to push a button. So does that mean that the attack was planned for another day and they moved it up? Mm, I don't know. None of it makes any sense to me. But uh, this is a fairly clear cut example of just like handing something to somebody on a silver platter. Well, hey, look, what did I tell you? Hamas is evil. They were going to kill kids. Here we go. I mean, Hamas is a terrorist organization. They are evil. But I mean, the Palestinian people, Um, there has to be a differentiation between them. You know, you've got evil people all over the world. You've got evil people doing evil things. It doesn't make all people uh, examples of that evil. So I don't know. That's really all I got on that one. Oh, gosh, I wanted to play this for you. Henry Kissinger gave an interview where he basically uh, stated that uh, all of his his foreign policy that he had uh, engaged in by allowing all of these migrants in from all over the world, big mistake. I mean, how long, we've been saying this for years, like over a decade since basically we started seeing the, uh, the problems occur uh, over in Europe. But I uh, couldn't believe that he said this. This is like saying the quiet part out loud. Here we go. It was a grave mistake to let in so many people of different cultural and religious and concepts because it creates a pressure group inside each country that does that. It was a grave mistake to let in so many people of totally different cultural and religious and concepts because it creates a pressure group inside each country that does that. So... I think that is, you know, one of the most obvious statements I've heard in a long time. But for Henry Kissinger, who is like essentially the architect of this here in the United States, I, I again I don't believe that the importance of this can be understated. It completely flies in the face of the stated policy of the current United States government. And of course the Democrat Party, we've already been told, you know, diversity is our strength. You know, by allowing all of these people in, we're going to create this incredible world. All it's done is create a world where terror thrives, where crime is rampant, uh, and now homelessness is out of control. Uh, We've got radical Islamic terrorism in all of these various countries. You took people out of a third world nation. You put them into a first world nation and uh, you never taught them how to use a toilet. So we're at a very unique stage in This awakening and uh, for Henry Kissinger to be at death's door and to be admitting like I effed up the United States has essentially been destroyed thanks to the decision to allow in all of these migrants to force in all of these migrants from all of these various war torn nations across the globe, oftentimes nations that we bombed that we created the problems for. Well, now here we are. So The question is, what are we going to do about it? Uh, Let's go ahead and say thank you to a couple of people over here at Pilled.net. Doug Simey, thank you for the can. Filter Dog One, thank you for the can. Uh, Filter Dog One also said SCOTUS will throw out the obstruction of official proceeding against Trump. I certainly hope so. Uh, Doug Simey, thank you for the can. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Filter Doug one same crowd that booed Trump meeting unsavory leaders were using USAMA. Doug Simey, thank you for the phone. Who cares? Says, high five Zach and RPGF of the 10 against Jim. Four were from Florida. What the F? There's a lot of rhinos down here in Florida. And uh, I can tell you that because I joined my local GOP. And uh, it was very clear to me that the people controlling this Uh, were highly organized and uh, directly affiliated with the national GOP, and they had no interest in uh, the Freedom Caucus. They had no interest in the goals of election integrity or any of that stuff. It was very disheartening, but I didn't allow it to make me quit. Uh, Thank you to Cherokee. Who says, if Jordan wins speaker and doesn't bring the Sunshine Protection Act to vote, he is an enemy of the people. What is the Sunshine Protection Act? That sounds familiar. I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Hold on. Sunshine Protection Act. Proposed United States federal law that would make U.S. daylight savings time permanent, meaning the time would no longer change twice per year. I don't know. Is that a joke? Is that a joke? (laughs) I don't mind daylight savings time, so I don't know if that's real or not. Judy, the lady pug. Thank you for the cookie. Uh, Brewbark says, what percentage of population do you think see the corruption? I think that we're like approaching like 70 to 80 percent now. And uh, even more than that, to varying degrees, Um, I I think we have a large, a large portion of America right now that has woken up in a way that they never had before. And I I think we're going to see that increase as we move closer to twenty twenty four. Michelle Ann, thank you for the cookie. Glenn Riggleman says, uh, great info. Love your shows. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Uh, Sean Joe, thanks for the cookie. FilterDog1 says, oh, you just bought a bronze tier subscription. Thank you very much for becoming a subscriber. Uh, FilterDog1 says, trying to figure out gift sub. I know that they just added it, but I don't know how to do it myself. PQuest, thank you for the cookie. All right. And um, yes, Nicoletta Trumpy Bear says, 80% and growing. Uh, Forest of Liberty says, Zach is definitely one of the world's best journalists. Well, th- thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. Uh, I take this very seriously. I want to bring you guys the best, the highest quality information uh, as quickly as I can. I'm not trying to clickbait you. I'm not trying to get you to uh, just hand me your shekels. <laughs> I want you to be here because you agree with my mission to set the nation and the world free from the clutches of the deep state new world order. So thank you for joining me today. I hope you can be here tonight. Well, on Badlands Media tonight at 10 30 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be going over part two of our Antarctica series. Tonight is a series of whistleblowers and wild accounts of things people supposedly have seen or worked on at the South Pole. Thank you for being here. Good luck and God bless. We'll see you tonight.